Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. I also want to welcome our live stream audience. Thank you for joining us today from all over the United States and the world. God bless you. Let's give them a hand as they join us today in our live service. So uh, as many of you know, we're in the story. You can see the timelines here in the, in the logo on the back of the um, set there. And I just am so excited about what God has in store for us today. During the story, we've been asking you to share your story of how the God of redemption ministered to you and, and really spoke into your heart and changed your life. And so each Sunday, we've been trying to have a different person from our, our congregation share their story. And so if you haven't signed up yet, we do have a few slots. You can go back to the info center and sign up. But today, I want to welcome uh, one of the founding members of this church that helped start it, uh, Charity Wanta. Come on up here, Charity. God bless you. Did I turn it off? No, it's supposed to be. There you go. Okay. Good morning, everybody. So I originally wrote my story when this thing started because I wanted to read it to my kids. And then I felt like I was supposed to read it to you. So here goes. I was five and playing with toys while my mom made supper. The tape player was broadcasting a sermon about the torture of hell. Mom, I asked, I'm not going to hell, am I? She told me there was a way to know for sure, and she led me in a prayer to ask Jesus to come into my heart. And for years afterward, I treated my relationship with Jesus as fire insurance to keep me out of hell because I wasn't interested in anything more than that. That line of thinking changed when I was in middle school. I was at a large youth retreat, and the guest speaker challenged us church kids to make our parents' relationship with Jesus our own to accept the challenge to truly follow Jesus wherever he may lead and experience all God has for us. I felt like the guy was talking to me, and when he asked us to, I walked up front and thought, okay, this is it, let's do this, I'm all in. Later, when Josh and I were juniors in high school, we got lunch at a drive-thru and headed back to school the long way on the country roads, and then the truck's tires found ice. I don't remember any of it, but what I've been told is that the truck rolled four times and I wound up on the floor of the extended cab. Josh had driven his dad's work truck that day, so he was able to use the work phone to call 911. I woke up in the hospital, strapped to a board, staring into the eyes and masks of people I didn't know. I remember thinking, I don't know where I am. I don't know who these people are. I don't know how I got here. So then I tried to call myself down and I thought, okay, what do I know? And the answer came to me immediately. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. My whole body relaxed then on that stiff wooden board. About four years later, Josh and I were married and living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had moved there after I graduated from college so Josh could join his dad's business. I found a job there but didn't love it, and one day while I was at work, Josh called and said he knew I hadn't found a new job yet. He said that I wasn't looking in the right place and that I should try doing a search in Madison, Wisconsin. That would be a long commute, I thought. Josh explained that Pastor Glenn, whom we had known since we were kids, was going to plant a church, and immediately I was excited. That phone call led to a grand adventure and this church. Our move to Madison brought us closer to extended family, brought me to my dream job at Epic, but most importantly, it brought us to Metro Believers Church and all of you. Josh and I think it's pretty cool that we've been a part of this big thing that God has done on the earth. The next part of my story involves a work project Josh did in Canton, Ohio. It ended terribly. A pipe that hadn't been installed properly fell out of place and hit him in the head. The project was near completion, so hard hats were no longer required, and the blow sent Josh to the ER. I didn't freak out, though. The words, faith, not fear, kept running through my mind. 
When Josh got home, he slept most of the day for days. He visited doctors and got a brain scan. We had to pay the $5,000 high deductible for our health insurance, and on top of that, he was missing work, and I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So I prayed a lot. One morning while I was running, I got this picture in my mind of an angel stepping between Josh and the pipe, taking the brunt of the blow, absorbing it like a pillow, with Josh only getting a softened version on the other side of the angel. It was like God was telling me that he had already made sure that Josh would be okay. And Josh did fully recover over a matter of months, and God answered my prayers for provision and healing. Our next adventure was also a result of Josh's business. He was running legacy custom remodeling out of our newly built home in a residential neighborhood, and it was not the ideal place for his work trailer, sawdust, and noise. So Josh decided it was time to move. I was firmly against moving. I had a brand new house built exactly how I wanted it with all the right paint colors and Josh's amazing built-in woodwork. Again, I felt like God spoke to me about the situation while I was running. A question popped into my head. What if it's not Josh telling me it's time to move? What if it's God? What if I'm arguing with what God wants for my life? I thought of Jonah, and when he ran from God, he wound up in a life-threatening storm and then was eaten by a whale. So I returned home and told Josh my thoughts. It was a good thing that God had so thoroughly convinced me to follow where he was leading Josh because our move took us to a 40-year-old house that was orange with turquoise trim. The inside was covered in wallpaper and the windows were drafty and left the house terribly cold in winter. So far, I've mentioned getting my dream job and then being a stay-at-home mom. After eight years at home, Josh and I agreed the timing was right for me to start looking for a job. I didn't act on it right away though. A week later, I got a text from a friend who was wondering if I was open to going back to work because her company was hiring and she thought I'd be perfect for the position. What timing? After a number of interviews with her company and others, I was offered a position. I should have been ecstatic, but instead I started to freak out. I hadn't been in the workforce for eight years. What if it didn't all just come back to me? The offer came on a Friday and I had the weekend to make a decision. While I was running and listening to worship music over the weekend, a song I don't love that we sometimes sing at church came on Pandora. The words are, you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. If you really think about your saying, it's scary. I don't really want to go to the unknown. Anyway, that morning I felt like the words were for me and had everything to do with trusting God as I returned to the workforce. While I was still listening to that song, I received a text from my friend Corinne Merrick, who used to live here. She knew all about my longing to go back to work and then my sudden freakout moment when the offer came. Her text went like this. Where is your faith? You're not doubting your own abilities, you're doubting God's ability. He gave you talents and now he's given you a way to use them. He's not going to suddenly desert you. I know you know this, but right now you need to be reminded. I couldn't believe the timing of her words and I'm almost done. The accuracy of them. I thank God for godly friends. That was three years ago and I still love my job. Not long after starting my new job, I came home one summer afternoon to find a stop work order from Dane County Zoning in our yard. Josh was livid. He had spent a significant amount of time and money redoing the original barn on our property to make it into a cabinet shop. And then one of our neighbors complained to the zoning department. Josh's business had essentially been shut down. Our conversation in the workshop that day went something like this. I asked Josh, where is your faith? He asked me, where is God? How come you're not more upset? Do you realize what this means for my business, for us financially? I said, I'm trying not to think about that right now. Let's pray. In the weeks that followed, Josh began to research other locations for his cabinet shop. An amazing turn of events, he found an affordable space to rent in Oregon, where there was a cabinet shop owner who was retiring, renting out his shop space and selling his equipment. Josh's business moved in and used some of the equipment that was already there. I could tell you story after story of God's faithfulness in our lives. It's those crisis events when I see most clearly how faithful and able my God is, and my faith is strengthened for the future. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I will seek him all my life, and I look forward to the day when I hear him say, well done. Thank you, Charity. Wow. Sounds like I should take up running.
yeah. She's been a delight since she was a little girl. And uh, we've had the joy of knowing her since. Um, if you don't have one of our outlines, please raise up your hands and our ushers will get you one. If there's one in your guest packet, um, but if you uh, need another one, please. Um, we'd like you to take notes and keep track of the scriptures. So, we've been asking you to read the story before you come to church. This is chapter 12 that we're in. And upload a selfie of you and your family um, reading uh, the story. And so, so, several of you did that this past uh, month. And we found a winner for the selfie and a gift card to Buffalo Wild Wings. And the winner is Amanda Chandler. Is she here today? Amanda? No? No? Okay. Who knows her and can give her the card? Please, take, come up and get it, okay? Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So keep doing that. We'll have one at the end of every month, and you can get in on it if you so desire. I don't know about you, but I, I would like a $25 gift card to Buffalo Wild Wings. I like my wings, you know what I'm saying? I like my wings. So last week, everyone say last week. <laughs> last week, we looked at young, this young shepherd boy named David who was 16 years of age and uh, how, how David wasn't afraid to face his giants. And so we see this in, in 1 Samuel in your notes there. You can turn to it in your scriptures. Um, in 1 Samuel 16, um, just want to review a couple of things before we move on. It says, so Jesse sent for him, that's David's dad, sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil and he had, that he had brought and he anointed David. Everyone say anointed. He anointed David with that oil and then something incredible happened. And, and so many people forget this, and they, and they go straight to David and Goliath, and then of course Bathsheba, all right? Those are the two things they typically go to. And so, um, but, but there never would have been a Goliath if it, if it wasn't for the anointing, okay? And so the anointing and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, what is one thing that David had that enabled him to face the giant that we can have also? The anointing. The, the Spirit of the Lord come upon us. See, we can, have that, we can have that anointing. God has made it available to his kids today. And that anointing, when it comes on you, will come powerfully upon you. And from that day forward, you'll see things happen when you trust the anointing, okay? And I just want to point that out. You can go home today and get you some Crisco oil if you need to, or olive oil, whatever it might look like. It doesn't have to be from Israel. Um, and you can anoint yourself in the name of the Lord and trust God for that anointing. That anointing will quicken things on the inside of you and give you the ability to do things that, that you couldn't do before. Or say things that you have never said um, by the Lord, okay? So that anointing is important. Now, imagine this scene real quick. A scrawny 16-year-old um, shepherd boy from the backside of the desert takes out a 9-foot, nine 9-inch, nine almost 10 feet tall, and with all of his armor was almost 1,000 pounds, just short of 1,000 pounds. Now, I mean, we see that picture in our mind and you, you may not, you know, say, well, that, how does that really, you know, deal with my life? How does that really have anything to do with life, right? Well, you may not be facing a gigantic giant taunting you to come out and fight with him. But I can assure you, you have some giants to face too. Amen? Did you all go home on me already? All right. So, yeah, you have some giants that you have to face too. Giants like... Sometimes you have a stack of bills on, on your desk, and, and they're past due. Sometimes it's a, it's a divorce situation. Sometimes it's depression that you're going through, 
I've had to battle that giant in the last four years. Um, just trying to, you know, chemical imbalances from all those surgeries. I've had to deal with that, okay? I've had to deal with that, that, that giant. It could, be, it could be a giant of self, low self-esteem. It could be a, a giant of insecurity. It could be a giant of child abuse from your past. Uh, you may not have this nine-foot, nine-inch tall giant standing up looking you in the face saying, come on, you want to get it on, um, but you have some giants. We all have giants. How many of you know that? Everyone say that. We all have giants. We all have giants in our lives. Giants, you know, by, by their nature are designed to intimidate us. Intimidate us. It's big. It's huge. It's, it, you know, pushes you in a corner. It, it makes you a coward. It intimidates you. And you want to run and hide. And uh, you want it to just kind of go away on its own. If, you know, just, just go away. You know, if I, if I turn and pretend you're not there, just, it'll just go away on its own. its own. It doesn't. Giants have to be faced. And giants have to be conquered. What is, what is your giant today? What is it? It could be a bitterness giant. It could be, it could be an immorality giant. You're sleeping with someone you're not married to. It could be, it could be a resentment giant. It, it, it could be grief. It, you, could, you could be overcome with grief today, and that might be a giant in your life, grief of the loss of a loved one, grief of something in the past that you wish you could change. It could be a selfishness grief, uh, giant, you know, it's all about me. And you know it, you know it's wrong, but it's a giant nevertheless. It's bigger than your ability to defeat it at this point. It could be greed or worry or fear or anger. You know, you, you snap at a moment. You have a short fuse, and, and you hurt the people that you claim to love the most. It could be that kind of a giant. It could be an addiction giant. It could be some sort of addiction to porn uh, and drugs, whether it's illegal or prescription. It could be an addiction to alcohol. It could be an addiction to social media. You may feel paralyzed by your giant. It may have intimidated you. See, David, David could face his giant because he knew his God. Amen? You guys are awful quiet here today. You can say amen, okay? David knew his God, right? And David became God-focused way back when he was attending the sheep. And he wasn't giant-focused, he was God-focused, right? If you read the story of David and Goliath, you'll see he was God-focused. Yeah, he, he, he knew his God. And it's time for you and me to confront our giants. That's what this message is all about. Last week and today, to confront our giants and to deal with them and to really understand, don't run from your giant, run to him or her or whatever, it. Don't run from them, run to it. Just like David, he ran at Goliath with his sling and his stones. Today, I have brought some stones, not rocks, stones, <laughs> And I, I want you to come forward and pick up a stone for yourself. And it's going to symbolize, when you put it on your desk or dash or counter or vanity or whatever you do that will remind you, this stone, when you see it, that your God is bigger than your giant. Did you hear me? Your God is bigger than your giant. And there's some giants in your life that have got to come down. They've got to be taken out. So I want to invite you real quick. Come on up here and grab a stone. and Take it home with you and put it somewhere. Come on, everybody. Come on up and get a stone. This stone symbolizes your ability to overcome and break the strongholds and take out the giants in your life. Some of you may say, well... I don't have a giant right now. You will. It's only a matter of time before you have a giant that you need to face. And here's the deal. Hear me now. You must face your giants head on. Amen? You must face your giants 
head on. There should be enough up here. Reminder. Everyone say reminder. That was three of you. Everyone say reminder. Come on. Think about, think about this stone reminding you that your God is bigger than your giants. Can we all say that? My God is bigger than my giant. And you can, you can look at that and know that you have the, listen, the authority of God and the ability of God through the anointing of the Holy Spirit to take out your giants. And I don't want you to ever be afraid of those giants. I want you to know that God is able. Amen? God is able. All right, so today we're talking about the trial of a king, all the trials he faced. It's chapter 12, the trials of a king. You read that this week. Um, once there was a little boy who lived in the country, and they had to use this outhouse, you know, constantly. It was the only plumbing they had, this outhouse for a facility. And the little boy hated, absolutely hated the outhouse because in the summer, you know, it was always stinking hot, and literally, um, and, in the, and in the winter, it was cold, stinking cold, and it stunk all the time. And, you know, he just decided one day, he said, I'm going, one day I'm going to push that outhouse, because the, their farm and the outhouse is right, right next to a little river, a creek or whatever, and in the spring it would get really swollen and, and there was a lot of water. He said, one of these days I'm going to knock that outhouse into the river and be done with it. Then my parents will have to put something inside, right? So one day, you know, springtime, it was, it was roaring. So he decided today's the day. And so he, he pushed that outhouse into the water, got a big old stick and pushed it into the water, and in, as, as it went into the water, it floated downstream and disappeared. Well, um, later that day, um, his father said, son, we're going to have to take a trip um, behind the shed, the woodshed, and today, and of course the son knew that that meant he was going to get a spanking. And uh, so he said, why, Dad? He said, well, today, this morning, um, someone pushed the outhouse into the river, and, uh, and I think that was you. And he said, it was, Dad. He said, but Dad, listen, listen, I, I read this morning at school that George Washington chopped down a cherry tree, but he told the truth, and so he didn't get punished. To which his father replied, yeah, I understand that. But George Washington's father was not in the tree. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, so, so most of us have never toppled an outhouse, but all of us can identify with the little boy in a couple of ways. First of all, Number one in your notes, we have something inside of us that wants to do wrong. It's that little old nature that, that we, you know, just sort of, we, we see something and we want to do something wrong sometimes. And, and the second is our sin affects others. How many of you know that boy's sin affected his dad? And number three is there's always consequences to our choices, always consequences to our choices. So we, we discover where David moves at 16 years of age, 14 years of training and, and discipleship to become the king. We see um, that David became the king of Israel, anointed by God uh, 14 years later. And we, we know that David had everything, everything David touches kind of turns to gold. He defeats armies and the enemies time and time again, and he expands the kingdom of Israel, actually. You could see the expansion um, in your study that it actually expanded under his reign. I mean, the world was at peace, and David was at rest in his palace. And then we learn in 2 Samuel 11 that David lets down his guard. 
Everyone remember that. David lets down his guard. And he makes some tragic decisions or choices that would cause a pivotal shift in David's life and his family and actually the kingdom of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1, it says that in spring, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, you have to remember that right there, when kings, it was a time that kings go off to war in the springtime, okay? And David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Well, they destroyed the Amorites and they besieged Rabbah, but David remained where? In Jerusalem. See, David, David is at the wrong place at the wrong time. Remember, at the time, in the springtime, when, when, it, when, when kings go off to war, he didn't go. He stayed back. And the result of that, David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Have you, have you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time? Have, have you found yourself, instead of, instead of going to bed, you stayed up late so you could troll the internet, and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Perhaps you're on a chat room with someone who is not your spouse, and you're talking things that you shouldn't be talking about. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. You see, it, we could say it like this. When, when it, in, the, in the nighttime, when husbands or wives go to bed, <laughs> um, you stayed up. We could use any example that this applies to us. You know, most people don't understand. They just don't know what time it is. And you need to know your time. You need to know your boundaries. Everyone say boundaries. Because that's what really that meant, is his boundaries. David, David, when it was time to set his boundaries and live within them, see, boundaries are fences. They keep the, the bad things out and the good things in. That's why it's important for all of us to have good boundaries. It'll save us from getting in mad trouble, I promise you. So David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, 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 and we need to know what time it is. It's time to go to bed, go to bed. It's time to play, play. It's time to pray, pray. It's time, you, know, you need to know what time it is. I'm not talking about this kind of time. I'm talking about lifetime. Then it goes on to say that when he stayed back in Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 11, it says that one evening David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. Remember, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wouldn't have been there. From the roof of the palace, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba's, Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. Now remember, uh, she's married. And she came to him and he what? He slept with her. Notice, notice how many times David sends here, okay? Not sin, S-I-N, but S-E-N-D, okay? Notice how many times he sends. There's so much sending going on that it turns to sin. I mean, he sends someone to find out about her. He sends messengers to get her. She goes back home, and now she has a message of her own to David. In 2 Samuel 11:5, the woman conceived and what? Sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. I mean, David's in real trouble, right? Uh, it, and this happens in, often in teenage lives or young adult lives where it was a one-night stand and someone ended up pregnant. And it, and it messes up life for you. It changes life because you weren't, that's not what you were looking for as a kid. You were looking for enjoyment. 
And that's kind of what David was doing, and it, it came back to bite him. I mean, I love, let me just pause here for a second. I love the fact that um, God doesn't whitewash leaders' sin in the Bible. He, he reveals the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's just, let's just face it. And that's the way we ought to. I mean, we just ought to be real, right? And, and God saw to it that this was in the Bible so we could learn from it. See? In other words, what time is it? Are you at the wrong place at the wrong time? Are you dabbling with things that will destroy your life and mess you up? Listen, Bathsheba was not his wife, but, but she is the granddaughter of one of David's most trusted counsels and the wife of one of his best soldiers, Uriah. Sin. Always remember sin. Always remember sin will always take you further than you wanted to go. How many of you know that? It will actually keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will get you to do things you never dreamed possible when you find yourself at the wrong place in the wrong time. Ever find, ever, ever ask yourself and find yourself wondering how in the world did I get here? How in the world, how did I get this far from God? You start to drift, see? You drift, and your heart becomes hard, and before you know it, you're just not, you're not really passionate about the Lord anymore and His church and the Word. Ever asked yourself that? Ever, ever asked yourself, does God care? Does, ever asked yourself, does, is, he, is He willing to, and able to reach down and, and, and touch the mess that I've made? And if you've ever asked any of those questions, maybe you've asked this one. Once, once I've blown it, is there any way back for me? Is there anywhere, any way back for me? Well, here's the good news. Yes. Amen? Yes. Wherever you're at in the process, there is hope for you. You can apply these things to any area of sin or, or areas that you've blown it in in your life. It's been my experience as a pastor over the last 30-some years um, that people choose one of two paths when they mess up. They choose one or two paths. Let's look at what path David chose. First, first we see that he chose concealment. That's the blank there. It's concealment you can fill in. David first chose concealment. Unfortunately, David is not done sending. Okay, he's not done sending. He sends for Uriah. Remember, Uriah is Bathsheba's what? Husband, right. So he sends for Uriah, and David tries to conceal his sin by, by getting Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife. Then no one would know, right? I mean, you know, no one would know. I mean, he had one good night of a fling, of good, you know, had fun. And then, you know, he goes home, sleeps with his wife, and, and his wife's pregnant, right? So he could conceal it, right? But here's the deal. His plan fails. Not once, but twice. If you've read the story, you know what I'm talking about. Uriah actually goes back and sleeps on his mat where he should be with the rest of the soldiers because that's the way things were done for people of integrity. Okay? So surely, sure, surely David is done sending, right? But nope. David, in a moment of desperation, conceals his sin and he sends a decree to Joab, which sends Uriah to the front lines and ultimately sends him to death, trying to conceal his sin. Well, 2 Samuel tells us when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him, and after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the one thing David had, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. How many of you know you can displease the Lord? When you, when you sin and you take your position for personal gain and you hurt others. God had grown tired of David's sending and did some sending of his own. 
No, it wasn't a lightning bolt. <laughs> he probably deserved that, right? But no, it wasn't. It, it, was, it was a prophet by the name of Nathan. And he sent Nathan to David. Nathan tells David a story about a rich man. How many of you read that in your storybook this week? About a rich man or in the Bible. Um, about a rich man that had a number of sheep. He had so many sheep, couldn't count them. Okay? And he, instead of taking, as a traveler was coming, and he was to provide a meal, instead of taking one of his own sheep um, and slaughtering it and feeding it to the traveler, he decided to take a poor man's one sheep he had. He slept with it. He hugged it. He named it. He, his family loved that sheep. It was the only one he had. He was a poor man. And instead, he took that man's sheep away from him, slaughtered it, and fed it to the traveler. How many of you read that this, this week? Come on, let me see your hands if you did, all right? If you didn't, read it next. Read the chapter next week. There's incredible stuff in there. So, as it was, as you can imagine, David hears the story, despises the thing. He, he's outraged. He wants the rich man's head on a platter, and to which Nathan responds, you're the one. You're the man. You're the guy who did that to the sheep, to the poor man, say. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm the man. I, I'm the person. I, the thing I see in others that I despise, sometimes I find myself doing that same thing. Are you the man today? Are you the woman today in the story where, you, where you're taking advantage of other people and then you try to conceal it by making it worse? Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're carrying something that you've decided to conceal. And you can almost feel it in your body. It's just weighing you down. David gets a second chance, and as a result, he chooses differently. And the good news, the good news is that that decision took him back into God. Second, David ultimately chooses confession. That means he became focused on repentance and confession rather than concealment. And this is a note from his journal in Psalm 51. David journals and says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And he goes on in verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me with a willing spirit to sustain me. David repents. Everyone say repents. See, when you, when, you, when you blow it, when you make a mistake, when you sin, don't run from God, run to him. Amen? Run to him. David repents and confesses his sin and God grants him forgiveness. Now, let me just pause here for a second. Please don't confuse David's escaping God's wrath with escaping earthly consequences of his sin. Big difference. Some of you say, well, I repented, and, but you've sown seeds naturally, and those seeds will come up. And God will forgive you, but you still have to deal with those consequences in life that you wished hadn't happened. David would bear many scars throughout his life, and God would always sustain him. The loss of children the loss of family, the lo the, the, his family crumbling and falling apart. God never let go of David. He would stop hiding his sin and God would forgive him. As a matter of fact, um, in, in the scripture it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff has comforted me. In other words, through all of it, God never left him. He was there to care for him and, and love him and work with him, worship he would worship God and repent. Everyone say repent. repent. 
That's what we need to learn to do is repent a lot. Amen? Last night at our prayer meeting, we were all repenting. <laughs> Would you like to have that kind of relationship with God where you're a man after God's own heart? Well, we need to follow David's example in, in, his, in his journal again. We see it in Psalm 32. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, maybe some of you are a little confused here. Um, maybe you think, you know, Saul sins, and, you know, he loses his, his, his uh, throne. David sins, and he, you know, becomes a man after God's own heart. Why? Anybody ever ask that question? I'm sure Kathy has. <laughs> we have a small group uh, around the story, and we talk this stuff. Uh, but Saul chose concealment, and David chose confession. I mean, let, obviously he tried to conceal it in the beginning, but when he was confronted, he chose to confess. That was the difference between the two. Saul, Saul's story ends with brokenness, and the story of David ends with number three, David brings a broken hallelujah. A bro what is a broken hallelujah? It's brokenness in our lives, but we still are surrendered to God, and we still praise him, right? We still honor him. We still love him. We still pursue him. Um, we may be broken. We may have committed a horrible sin. We may have messed up big time, but we still have a heart for God. And we still want him. We want him more than anything. Listen, God's strength is strongest when we are at our weakest point. Amen? So Psalm, once again, his, his, his journal, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Contrite, it's repentance. It's, it's sorrowful. It's, you know, being, being totally regretful over your sin. And he says this, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite, repentant heart, you, God, will not despise. Maybe a broken hallelujah is all you have today. Maybe, maybe you're broken. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you've made some major mistakes, got some hiccups. Maybe the only thing you have today is a broken hallelujah. Listen, listen. God wants to restore you today. God wants you to take your broken hallelujah to him and pursue him even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst and repent and confess your sin. Let's talk about application. Take about two minutes, and then I'm going to ask the team to come, come now, um, to sing a song that I think sort of brings this all together, and you'll know when you hear it. Let's talk about application. First, God wants us to walk in righteousness so others can see God through us. Second, he wants us to be like Uriah. He wants us to be like three different people here. Uriah, who does right and lives his life in integrity, even when he could get away with it. In other words, he could have gone home, slept with his wife, and no one would have known, but he chose to come back and do what was right on the mat. It cost him his life. But it was, he was a man of integrity. We're talking about him right now. Third, third, he wants us to be like Nathan, who had courage to confront a friend who had taken a wrong turn. Do you have a Nathan in your life? Do you have someone, or are you a Nathan to your friends? Someone that can point something out to you to get you back on the right track, get you steered back in toward God. Do you have a Nathan? And then he wants us to be like David when he sinned and hurt others. He responded with confession and repentance. Listen, anybody pushed over any proverbial outhouses lately? If you have, God wants to restore you today. Let's stand together. Actually, stay seated. I want you to listen to the song. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord but you don't really care about music do you? It goes like this the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift 
the baffled king composing hallelujah 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 faith was strong but you needed proof you saw her bathing on the roof the beauty and the moonlight overthrew you you had it all you wanted more you paid the price it left you poor with nothing but a broken hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, I did my best, it wasn't much. Couldn't feel, so I had to touch. I've told the truth, I didn't come to fool you. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nathan that Nathan shared to David do you have a Nathan in your life we all need him have you got some giants you're facing dealing with some things in your life where you are in the wrong place at the wrong time and you've been caught and trapped there's no condemnation here today I think if we were honest we'd probably all say that we've had those moments and we're not proud of those moments but God still loves you. Did you hear me? He so loves you. He didn't stop loving you because you messed up. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. If you'd be honest here today and you'd say, one of the things that you just mentioned, you just read my mail and I want you to pray for me. Would you slip up your hand? Just if you just acknowledge that. So because that, that's important for us to acknowledge things. Not to pretend. Okay? All over the place. In the back. Thank you. God bless you. All over. Father, you saw those hands. They represent hearts. 
They're saying, okay, God, I'm coming to you with my broken hallelujah. I've got some stuff I'm not proud of, and I repent. Please do that. Just repent to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and to cleanse us from all iniquity. I pray for my brothers and my sisters, God. I ask you to heal their hearts, touch their lives, help them be on fire for you, help them be a a man or a woman after God's own heart. That's what David became. As he pursued you, God, he prevailed even though it cost him on the earthly life. He was still a man after God's own heart. Lord, we thank you for our time together here today. We ask you to bless us as we go. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed. Let's just sing the chorus if we could. Uh